Luke the 11th chapter, Luke chapter 11. As you're turning over there, we'll just, uh, uh, understanding is Nathan came home today, so that's good. Still not 100%, I'm sure, but uh, getting better. We're glad that, glad that he's home. In John chapter 13, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he said to them, you, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, I am. And if I, the Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. Now, Jesus identifies himself as a teacher, and he recognizes the fact that others recognize him as a teacher. You call, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. I, I'm, I'm a teacher. And from time to time, the disciples would ask Jesus to teach them something or to clarify something. The rich young ruler identified Jesus as a teacher as well. Good teacher, he said, what must I do to have eternal life? Mark chapter 10. Others referred to Jesus as, as rabbi, which simply means teacher. John 1 verse 38, the disciples of John identified him or addressed him as a rabbi. Nathaniel in John chapter 1 and verse 49, again, address him very respectful way, Rabbi. Mark chapter 9 and verse 5, Peter does the same and, and others. And so people recognize Jesus as a teacher. He recognizes himself as a teacher. And as I said a moment ago, there are occasions when the disciples will ask Jesus to at least clarify something or teach something. Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 tells them the parable of the tares. And a little bit later, they ask him in verse 36, explain to us the meaning of the parable of the tares. Teach us what that means. Explain it to us. Clarify the parable of the tares so that we can understand it a little bit better. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus uh, is uh, asked about divorce and remarriage from the Pharisees. And then when they get a little bit later in the house, the disciples question him again about what he taught about marriage and divorce. And so they recognize Jesus as a teacher. He understands that's his position. He describes himself as a teacher. And then in Luke chapter 11, we find the disciples come to him and asking him to teach them something. Verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so, teach us to pray. So we're going to talk a little bit about prayer tonight and in the, the coming weeks as well, as we try to learn from Jesus how to pray, how to pray better. And so the disciples understood that John had taught his disciples how to pray. And so they want Jesus to teach them. Jesus' disciples want him to teach them how to pray. They had been with Jesus for a while now. I think this is the second year of his ministry. And so they had been with Jesus when he prayed. They had seen him pray. They had heard him pray. They, in all likelihood, had prayed with him over that period of time. Prayer was a regular part of the daily life, uh, daily life of devout Jews. The Jews were praying people. They prayed a lot. They prayed several times a day. At least in the morning they prayed, in the evening they prayed, and then at noon they prayed. And so at least three times a day they would pray, or at least Jewish men would. And then in, uh, at other times they may 
They may uh, stop to give thanks for their food, for example, or say other prayers as well. And so Jesus would have prayed growing up in his home. These devout Jews who were disciples of Jesus would have been praying people as well. They would have been taught to pray. But it seems that they noticed something different about the prayers of Jesus. And so it may be that they were reciting their prayers, their daily prayers, the traditional prayers that Jewish men recited and the Jews recited in the morning and in the evening. But again, being with Jesus and hearing Him pray and watching Him pray, observing His prayers, listening to His prayers, they, they noticed something different about His prayers, I'm sure. And so they're saying to Him, teach us, teach us to pray. We want you to teach us to pray. John taught his disciples to pray. We want you to teach us to pray. And so it may be that they wanted to be able to pray in a more powerful way, in a more effective way. And so they asked Jesus, who no doubt very powerful in his prayers, they asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Let's talk a little bit about prayer and especially the prayers of Jesus. Now there are several prayers of Jesus recorded for us in the New Testament and we'll get to those. But for tonight, I just want to look at several, well, we might call them more general statements about Jesus' prayer practices and see what we can learn from them. For example, let's look at, I'm going to, I'm going to read several of these passages and then I'm just going to allude to them later as we go through and pick up on ideas that are expressed in these passages. In Luke chapter 3, let's look at that, Luke chapter 3 and verse 21, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized, and while He was praying, heaven was open, the Holy Spirit descended on Him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You're my beloved Son, and you I'm well pleased. And so when Jesus was baptized, He prayed. And so notice that. When all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And while He was praying, the heavens were opened and so forth. And so here it is. At the moment He was baptized, it seems, maybe just soon afterward, He was praying and the Holy Spirit descends. Look at the book of Mark chapter 1. And we'll just flip from passage to passage here pretty quickly. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left a house, and went away to a secluded place, and was praying there. And so early morning, this is before the sun came up. While it was still dark, Jesus left the house where everybody was, went out to a secluded place, and was praying there. Look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16 Luke chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus Himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. And so Jesus would slip away by Himself, just get off by Himself, and spend time in prayer. So that's in the morning. We saw especially Mark chapter 1. In the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus would spend time in prayer. Look at uh, Mark chapter 6 and verse 35. Mark chapter 6, verse 35. When it was already quite late, His disciples came to Him and said, This place is desolate. It's already quite late. And He eventually feeds them 
uh, 5,000 with a few loaves and a few fish. And then verse 45 says, Immediately Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go ahead of Him to the other side, to Bethsaida, uh, while He Himself uh, was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, He left for the mountain to pray. And so the reason I read verse 20, verse 35 especially, when it was already quite late, fed the 5,000, sent them away, and got off by Himself again to pray. And so that tells us that Jesus prayed in the mornings. We saw that in Mark chapter 1. Before it got light, before the sun came up, He would spend time in prayer. Now, now this is in the evening. It's already quite late, late in the afternoon. He feeds the 5,000, and then He spends time in prayer. In the morning, and now in the evening. Look at Luke chapter 6. Luke 6. So we don't know the content of these prayers. It simply says that he spent time in prayer. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12 says, It was at this time he went off to the mountain to pray. He spent the whole night in prayer to God. And then look at what follows. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, whom he also named as apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, and so forth. And so here he spends the whole night in prayer, and then he chooses from his disciples, he chooses twelve, and he names them apostles. Now, that's, that's an important decision he's about to make, and important, something important that he's about to do. We'll come back to that later, but before he does it, he spends some time in prayer. Again, just a general statement. We don't know what he prayed during that night, but we know that he spent the whole night in prayer. So apparently he starts in the evening. We've already seen he prayed in the evening. Starts this prayer in the evening, and then he just spends the whole night in prayer. All right, Luke chapter 9 and verse 18. Luke chapter 9 and verse 18. It happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he, he questioned them, saying, Who do the people say that I am? And eventually, after some conversation, Peter confesses that he's the Christ. But again, verse, uh, verse 18, while he was praying alone, and then that leads us into this uh, account of Peter's confession. And so he prays at his baptism. He prays at this discussion when he's about to ask people, or ask his disciples who people said that he is. Praise in the morning, praise at the evening, praise before choosing the twelve. Luke chapter 9 and verse 29. Some eight days after these sayings, he took along Peter and James and John and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different. We can know this as the transfiguration. Again, he's praying, then his appearance is transfigured. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, where we started tonight, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so, and so they're hearing him praying, and that leads them to ask him to teach them how to pray. And then they're together in Luke chapter 22, it's when they're in the upper room together, and Jesus, in a few hours, will go to the Garden of Gethsemane where He spends more time in prayer. But He says in verse 31, You know, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you 
that your faith may not fail and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And so at some point prior to this event, he's been praying for Peter. He knows what's going to happen with Peter. He says, I've been praying for you that your faith will not fail. And so Jesus prays at his baptism. He prays in the morning and at evening before choosing the 12 at Peter's confession prior to the transfiguration before being asked to teach them to pray. And then he says he's been praying for Peter. And so again, we don't know the content of these prayers. He simply are told that he prayed, that he spent time in prayer, maybe a long time in prayer on some occasions. We also know that he gives thanks for his food. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 16, before feeding the 5,000, he blesses the food. He gives thanks for the food. And when instituting the Lord's Supper, he gives thanks for the bread and the cup. In Luke chapter 22, this is after, I think I should say Luke chapter 24, not chapter 22. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. Remember, he's walking along the way with the two men from Emmaus, and finally they, they, they get to where they're going, and they urge Jesus to, you know, stay with us. It's getting toward evening. The day is nearly over, so he went in to stay with them. And when he reclined at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. And so he took bread and blessed it. When I was growing up, <laughs> before we ate, we would say the blessing. Some people give thanks. Some seem to say the prayer, but we would say the blessing. Those are just the words that we use for that thanksgiving for the food that we, were, that we were about to eat. And so Jesus said the blessing. He blessed the food. And so we know that Jesus prayed on those occasions and at other occasions as well. So clearly, Jesus is a man of prayer. Like I said, we have the content of several prayers that we'll look at. But we can learn a lot from just these passages that describe Jesus' prayer practices. Before we do that, we might just stop and say, well, what, what is prayer? We kind of assume that everybody knows what prayer is. I don't know that that's the case. I would take, kind of uh, conclude that everybody in this room knows what prayer is, but I don't know that everybody in the world knows what prayer is. Let's see if we can define it a little bit. One definition is simply personal communication with God. And that's a good fundamental definition of prayer. Personal communication with God. Another definition is the act of petitioning, praising, giving thanks, or confessing to God. And so the act of petitioning, praising, giving thanks, or confessing to God. Another definition is supplication for benefits either for oneself or for others, an act of worship which covers all the attitudes of the soul in its approach to God, including supplication, adoration, confession, and thanksgiving. And so prayer is an act of worship in which we ask God to supply our needs, <clears throat> we express our adoration, we make confession, and we thank Him for the things He's done. There are multiple Greek words translated prayer. I won't go to in all, into all of those. They have a range of meaning to ask, to request, both to request in a general sort of way, in a specific way, to intercede for, to give thanks, to supplicate, or to plead with humility and make an, a, make a, an earnest request. That's what it means to supplicate. 
So, we ask God for things in prayer. It's interesting, that's oriented toward the future. We thank God for what He's done. That's oriented toward the past, isn't it? And so, in our prayers, we're looking back at what God has done for us, and we're looking to the future to ask God to continue to provide for us. Someone has observed that the different Greek words for prayer don't distinguish different kinds of prayer as much as they consider prayer from different points of view. And I, I really kind of thought that was a good, that was a good observation. It's not so much that we're distinguishing this is a certain kind of prayer, it's different from that. There may be something to that, but just looking at prayer from one point of view or another. But the idea includes prayers, supplications, petitions, thanksgiving. Paul mentions some of those in 1 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. And so there's maybe different kinds of prayer, looking at prayer from different points of view, entreaty, prayer, petition, thanksgiving. He also mentions prayers and supplications with thanksgiving in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. And it's interesting we find all of these in, in Jesus' prayers. In Matthew chapter 11, we find Jesus praying, and He begins by giving praise to God. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25, at that time Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent, revealed them to infants. And so He very begins, I praise you in His prayer. And so Jesus praises God in His prayer. And when He teaches His disciples to pray, remember how He begins? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, or, or holy, be your name. And so he praises God in his prayer, uh, or teaches us to praise God in our prayer for uh, his, his hallowed name. We find Jesus asking on behalf of himself at times. And so in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed that this cup might pass from me. Very much a prayer Jesus prayed about himself, with concern for himself. In John 17, he prays that the Father might glorify him with the glory that he had with the Father before the world began. And so Jesus prayed for himself and about himself, but he also prays on behalf of others. And so in that John 17 passage, he prays for the apostles. He says, not only for these do I pray, but for those who believe on me through their teaching. And so Jesus is concerned about others in his prayer as well. We noted a few moments ago that he told Peter, I've been praying for you that your faith might not fail. And so we find these elements in Jesus' prayers as well. Before he feeds the 5,000 in John chapter 6, we find Jesus giving thanks for the food. And so he took the loaves, having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. And so Jesus offers thanksgiving. He praises God. He prays about His own concerns. He prays for others as well. And so what is prayer? It's intentional communication with God. And it covers a variety of subjects. Praise, supplication, confession, entreaty, thanksgiving, uh, to, to name a few. But I want to stress the point that it's intentional communication with God. It's not just a fleeting thought that just uh, uh, on occasion haphazardly passes through your mind. 
It's deliberate. It's thought out. This is what I'm going to pray for. And I, I don't mean that it's not spontaneous. I mean that it's, it's deliberate and intentional uh, communication with God. Now let's just draw from this information that we've kind of collected here some, some ideas. What, what makes our prayers distinctive? You know, a lot of people in the world pray, and I suppose people who, you know, who uh, uh, practice different religions will pray. But what makes our prayers different? Well, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, a Jew doesn't pray in Jesus' name. He prays, but he doesn't pray in Jesus' name. A Muslim would pray. I mean, we know that very well. But he doesn't pray in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. David didn't pray in Jesus' name that I know of. Daniel, Ezra, Jacob, Hezekiah. We, we pray in, in Jesus' name. In John, the 14th chapter, and in verse 13, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. In chapter 16 and verse 24, says it this way. John 16, verse 24, Until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. In that day, verse 26 says, You will ask in my name. I do not say that, uh, to you that I will request to the Father on your behalf. And so you will ask in, in my name. And so we ask in Jesus' name. What does that suggest to us? Well, the idea is that and we pray in Jesus' name, our prayers have the authority of Jesus to strengthen them, to give them weight, to give them importance with the Father. So if a, a representative were to come into this, this group and, and he would have something to say, something political to say, not that we would do that, but let's just say for argument that he did, we, we might uh, think about what he said. But if he came and said, now I've come in the name of the president, we think, okay, we need to listen to that a little bit more closely. <laughs> you know? Because it has the authority of the president behind it. And so that would carry more weight with us than if just a private citizen were to express an opinion. And so when we pray in Jesus' name, when we go to the Father and we say, I'm, I'm bringing this to you in Jesus' name, well, then that gives it weight and authority, the weight and authority of Christ. As I said a moment ago, others pray, but they don't pray in Jesus' name. And so their prayers don't have that authority. They don't have His support. They don't have His approval, His backing. Our prayers have a level of importance with the Father that others don't have because of the name of His Son who is attached to the prayer. And so our prayers are to be offered in Jesus' name. And... Uh, I don't know that there's a particular formula we have to follow in praying in Jesus' name or uh, anything like that, but our prayers are to be said in Jesus' name. Another observation is that Jesus prayed with others. His disciples had heard Him pray and seen Him pray. That's why they come and ask, teach us to pray. But He prays by Himself a lot of times as well. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, we read where Jesus went to the synagogue. It was His custom to go to the synagogue. And no doubt, regular prayers were said on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. And so Jesus would have prayed along with all others who were gathered there. But we find Him removing Himself from the crowds on occasion 
to pray by himself. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, he went to a secluded place. In Luke 15, in verse 16, he would slip away or withdraw to a desert place. In Luke chapter 24, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember, he's with his disciples, takes Peter and James and John, he takes them a little bit deeper into the garden, and then he leaves them in a spot and he goes about a stone's throw away, even deeper by himself, to spend time in prayer. It's great for us to pray together. We need to pray together, and we, we do. We pray multiple prayers when we come together to worship. We need to be a praying people. We follow the example of the disciples. Early on, they were praying together. We read about that on multiple occasions. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. But we need to be praying by ourselves, individually. We need to pray alone when we can express our personal needs, our personal concerns, our personal requests to God. You know, there's a difference between a public prayer and a private prayer. If we're praying a public prayer, we pray a prayer, we lead a prayer that everybody can say amen to. Everybody can say amen to it. But in private, it's a more personal expression. We express our personal needs, our personal concerns, our personal desires. And so, yes, we need to be praying together, but we need to be spending time in prayer in a secluded place when we express our personal prayers to God. Jesus prayed every day. We saw that as we're going through our uh, introductory passages, made a point that he prayed in the morning. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, got up while it was still dark and went out to pray. And then we saw that he prayed in the evening as well. And so he prayed every day. Luke chapter 5 tells us he would often slip, or, slip away and pray. And the form there suggests uh, this was his custom or habit. He habitually would slip away or withdraw himself from the crowds and spend time in prayer. And so he prayed in the morning, he prayed in the evening. No doubt he prayed at other times as well. He taught us to pray for daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And that implies that we pray daily, doesn't it? And so Jesus prayed every day. Do you pray every day? <laughs> Do we pray every day, individually, personally, in a secluded place? If we don't, we need to. And we learn that from Jesus, to pray every day. And uh, if we don't pray every day, if we, if we realize occasionally, you know, I haven't prayed in two or three days. <laughs> yeah. All right, we, we need to do better. We need to set up regular prayer times, maybe in the morning and at evening or at some time during the day where we spend a little bit of time in, in prayer at least. Jesus prayed every day. Jesus prayed about his own interests, but also for the interests of others. We made that point as well as we're going through. He prays about him for himself, about his own concerns, but, but also for others. In the Garden of Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me. He's concerned about himself. But then he tells Peter, I've been praying for you. And so our prayer should not strictly be about ourselves. We should be mindful of the needs of others, or we should be mindful of the successes of others and give thanks, or... We should be concerned about the well-being of others and express that concern. I, I don't know who it was now, but a long time ago, 
I heard somebody say, you know, there are times when I just get the church directory out. And I just start with the A's. And I pray for that person. And then I go to the next page. And I pray for that person. And then I go to the next page and I pray for that person. And I just pray through the directory. And, and uh, it's pretty good practice, isn't it? And we might not get through the whole directory in one sitting. But our prayers, not just for ourselves, but we're praying for others as well. Jesus prayed before important decisions and, and events. In Luke chapter 6, remember we talked about Jesus prayed the whole night and then the next day... He chooses 12 from among His disciples and makes them apostles. There's a, there's a lot at stake in that choice, isn't there? Jesus choosing the right men, choosing those 12. Now, He knows one of them is going to betray Him. But the success of the gospel really is kind of on their shoulders, isn't it? Are they going to be diligent workers? Are they going to be faithful teachers? Is their faith going to stay strong? Are they going to be willing to go into the all, all the world and make disciples? There's, there's a lot at stake in that selection. And so Jesus spends the whole night in prayer. And then, after so doing, He chooses these twelve. Jesus was praying before the transfiguration. He prayed before the crucifixion. In John chapter 12, earlier in the week, before the last week, before His crucifixion, He spends some time in prayer as well. John 12 and verse 28. And so these are critical moments, aren't they? Critical moments in His ministry, choosing the twelve, the transfiguration, the crucifixion. Jesus spends time in prayer before important decisions and events. Now we, we make some pretty important decisions in our lifetime, don't we? <laughs> We need to spend a little bit of time in prayer before those decisions. You know, if, if you're in high school, you've got some important decisions to make, don't you? And, and so you need to spend a little bit of time in prayer before you make those decisions. And when you get out of high school and you get into college, you've got some important decisions to make. You've got some important events coming up. You need to spend a little bit of time in prayer as you enter into those decisions. And then we make ultra big decisions about marriage and career. Our children are going to be born. That's a huge event in a person's life. And so we need to spend some time in prayer before all of those kinds of events. We're praying for God's support and guidance, for His assistance, for wisdom. We talked about this morning. And so learn from Jesus. He prayed before important decisions and events. And then Jesus prays with fervency, with intensity. Perhaps the prime example of this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke chapter 22. We didn't spend a lot of time on that. We've alluded to it a time or two in our comments tonight. And again, perhaps that's the prime example of, of this point. In Luke's account, Luke 22 verse 44, being in agony, he was praying very fervently. Being in agony... Not just praying, not just praying fervently, but praying very fervently. I understand that not all Jesus' prayers were like the prayer in Gethsemane, but, you know, the disciples saw something in Jesus' prayers that made them different. And so they say, teach us to pray. And perhaps it's this, this fervency that Jesus prays with, the intensity, the sincerity, the strong emotion, the personal engagement between Jesus and the Father. 
They may have been accustomed to praying the ritual, formulaic prayers of Judaism. But Jesus prayed those, at least not only. Personal engagement with fervency makes his different. Well, it's worth noting that Jesus had an especially close relationship with the Father. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, Jesus says, No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. I have a special relationship with the Father. Nobody knows the Father like the Son. Nobody knows the Son like the Father. We have this close and personal and intimate relationship with each other. In John 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. We're, we're one. And... Uh, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus has a relationship like the Father, with the Father like nobody else has ever had. And so we can make the observation, if Jesus thought he needed to pray, even though he has this kind of relationship with the Father, <laughs> if he thought, even though I like, have this relationship with the Father, I still need to pray. How much more do I need to pray? Or we might make this observation. Perhaps it's because he prays that he has this relationship with the Father. That would be the only reason. But perhaps his relationship with the Father grows and deepens and strengthens and develops because, because he prays. Do you want a closer relationship with the Father? Do you want a stronger relationship with the Father? A deeper, more intimate relationship with the Father? Then improve your prayer practices. Now, that's not the only thing we need to do, I'm sure, but that's one thing. Improve your prayer practices. And then that closer, stronger, more personal relationship with the Father will follow. And so, having said all that, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you will hear us when we pray. You've, you've promised, Father, that if we pray to you in Jesus' name, that, that you will hear us. And we're so thankful, Father, that, that you do. We ask you to hear our prayer this evening. It's a humbling thing, Father, for us to realize that we can approach the creator of the universe, the infinite God, with our concerns, with our worries, with our flimsy efforts to move forward in this life, and yet you will hear us, and you will respond to us, to our needs, to our concerns. It's a humbling thought, Father, but we're so thankful that you have made this possible for us, and that you encourage us to pray. You encourage us to ask and to knock and to seek. You encourage us to make our requests known to you, and you've promised that you'll hear and respond. Our Father, we pray that we might grow in our prayer practices, that we might look at the example of Jesus, the master teacher, and follow his instruction, follow his example in praying, that we might pray daily, that we might pray together with other disciples, but that we might pray alone, that we might pray fervently and intensely that we might pray for our own concerns and our own needs, but for the needs and concerns of others as well. And so, Father, help us to broaden our perspective and broaden our horizon when we pray, to include 
all those that we know who need our prayers. Father, we, when we pray, help us to spend time praising you, to asking you to provide the things that we need and that others need, to express our gratitude for what you've done. And Father, to make the confession of our own weakness and our own sin that we need to make. Again, Father, we're so thankful that we have this avenue. Help us to take advantage of this great blessing that we have. Never let it uh, diminish in our lives. If anything, Father, help us to, make, to become more regular in our prayers. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're